0: Welcome back to Living Better in San Diego. I'm Vicki Pepper. Assuming you aren't a veteran or someone else who suffers from post-traumatic stress, fireworks can be fun. But those big booms and cracks are terrifying for our furry friends, and more pets go missing on the 4th of July than at any other time of the year. Here to discuss how to keep our furry family members safe during the 4th of July and all summer long is John Vanzani, Public Relations Director for Rancho Coastal Humane Society. Thank you for joining me.
1: Vicki, thank you. I appreciate this opportunity. We're going to save some lives today. We're not going to know when, we're not going to know who, we're not going to know how, but somebody that's listening to us right now is going to make a decision that protects their pet and whether it just keeps them from the hassle of trauma for the pet, a pet running away, or actually saves its life. That's what we're doing here right now. So listen up, folks. We have some good ideas.
0: Well, John, start by telling us about the services that Rancho Coastal Humane Society provides.
1: Rancho Coastal Humane Society opened in 1960. Uh, I have a picture from 1961 of the back part of our property. And on that property, you see a horse and a goose and a uh, Dodge Dart driving by on a dirt road. And I quite often joke that the the goose is gone, the horse is gone, the dodge art is gone. The dirt road is still there, but these days it's paved, and we call it Interstate 5. Mm. And uh, that would have been 1960, so 63 years in the making. Our two original programs were pet adoption, because Maria K Lloyd, one of the founders here, would go out on her own at night and rescue pets off of the street, and then was placing them to her own home and her own property. So pet adoption was the first program. And of course, if you're going to get people pets and send them home, you need to teach them how to care for the pet. So our second program was humane education. Also back in 1960, the rescues here weren't just dogs and cats. There were a lot of stray animals. I say stray meaning wild animals. We have pictures from the early 60s of a mountain lion, deer, seals and sea lions brought up from the beach, foxes, raccoons, possums, and those were just all the neighbor animals that were around here at that time. So again, adoption, humane education. The next program that we had was the Animal Safe House program. Animal Safe House started as, we call it the safety net for the pets of domestic violence victims. The safety net in that a domestic violence victim needs to get out and save themselves, but they know that if they leave and they leave their pets behind, most of the time the pet becomes the new target, the new victim. And what the Animal Safe House Program does is we take those pets, get them out of that situation. It allows the human victims to escape, knowing that their animals will be safe, That may be a pet that comes here for a couple hours just to give the person enough time to pack up and get out of the house. It may be a pet that's with us for a few months. Or it may be a pet that somebody knows, i got to get out of the state to save myself and to save my kids. So they come in and they surrender their pet to us, and we find a new home. We have pet-assisted therapy where we visit convalescent homes, assisted living facilities, veterans' homes schools, libraries, where we take in these trained therapy dogs. The term we use is bombproof. You, you can put them anywhere and they're going to be fine. And our community pet food bank that provides food for the pets of people. It could be veterans, could be seniors, could be families who are working poor and, Those are our five main programs.
0: Well, here we are on 4th of July weekend. The fireworks have already started. What kind of increases do you see in shelter intake on and immediately following the 4th of July?
1: Well, here in San Diego County, depending on what part of the county you're in, you're either under the jurisdiction of our friends at San Diego Humane Society or the County of San Diego Department of Animal Services. So two things that happen there is, first of all, it's the busiest, day of the year for them and secondly it's a day when they're generally not quite up to full staff so one of the first things that I tell people is whether it's your pet that ran away or a pet that you were able to get onto your yard and secure be patient get as much information as you can remember they're running all over the county, and there's pets that maybe have run away a couple of days ago. There was fireworks or noise in their neighborhood, so they ran, and they're scared, and they don't know where they're going, and everywhere they run, there's more fireworks, there's more booms, so they keep running, and the farther they run, the more lost they are, so be patient, and uh, just remember that busiest day of the year.
0: What does that mean for the animals who are already in the shelter?
1: Well, for the animals that are here in the shelter, they're secure. They're in a place that they're familiar with. We take extra care of them. A lot of shelters maybe use some music that they have going on. A lot of shelters bring in volunteers or staff members who, for the early part of the evening and when the fireworks is going on, they may be sitting there with them, have some music over the speakers. Those animals are here and they're safe and they're secure, but also we need to be prepared. And again, in San Diego, San Diego Humane Society, Department of Animal Services, or for people that are living in an area where it's a city shelter, community shelter, that they have to have place for them. And again, the comfort, just keeping them calm, which is difficult, particularly if you've got a dog or a cat It's already been on the run for two or three days just trying to get away from the noise and the confusion.
0: What steps can pet owners take to keep their pets calm when fireworks go off?
1: Well first of all we know there's going to be fireworks and here in Southern California with all the hills you don't have to be living across the street from the fireworks. Where I watched fireworks last year I saw five different fireworks displays from the top of the hill. So there's flashes, the vision part of it. With the hills here, there's the boom, but then the boom echoes through the hills. So no matter where you are, chances are your pet is going to hear it and it's going to echo. And the more it echoes, the more they run to get away from it. Or quite often with cats, they'll find a place to hide. And once they get in there, they may hide there for two or three or five days until they feel safe to come out. So first of all, your pet doesn't want to see the fireworks. Whether you have a dog or a cat or a bunny or whatever it is, they don't care. One of my neighbors used to say, oh, we always take our dogs along. They love to see the fireworks. No, they don't. They don't care. And actually, they may want to be with you, but they really don't care to see the fireworks. Plus, you know, we're thinking about the colors and everything, and they don't see the colors like we do. So don't take them along to the fireworks. Or if people do take them along to the fireworks, they get out of their car and leave the pet locked in the car. Well, then what enjoyment is that for the dog or the cat to be sitting locked in a car with the noise and the flashing? Don't take them along. Okay, so now you're going to leave them home. If you're going to leave them home, leave them inside. Don't leave them in the backyard. If they're in the backyard, it's the noises, it's the flash, it's the booms, it's all the scary stuff that goes along with that for pets. So leave them home and don't leave them outside. One of my friends a few years ago was surprised to find out that his Yorkshire terrier, a tiny little Yorkshire terrier, found a way to scale a five-foot fence and get out. And it's like, I didn't know he could climb a five-foot pads. And I said, well, he probably was never that scared before. So leave them in. Leave them inside. Okay, the radio station that you're listening to right now is going to be on the air during the fireworks. So when you leave and you leave your pet indoors, make sure it's secure. Leave the radio station on. It's a station that they're already used to listening to, and it's going to help mask some of the sound of the fireworks. Yeah, they may still hear a little bit of it, but something that will overshadow the fireworks and help to keep your pets a little more calm and not so focused on the noise.
0: I'm speaking with John Van Zani, Public Relations Director for Rancho Coastal Humane Society. If a pet does go missing, what should an owner do?
1: Well, if your pet goes missing, right now is a terrific time. If you don't have any recent pictures of your pet, grab your phone, take some pictures of your pet. Even better, a picture of you and your pet together. I had a friend who was evacuated a few years ago during wildfires and she got to the evacuation point, her cat was there, but because she didn't have a chance to go home before being evacuated, she didn't have all of the paperwork, she didn't have the vaccination records. she didn't have everything. But what she did have on her phone, a picture of her and her cat together. So if you're running into some problems with it, you've got a picture of you and the pet together. Take a picture right now. Also, if you haven't done this lately, check your pet's collar to make sure that the tag is up to date. Maybe you change phone numbers, maybe you change addresses. Make sure that that's correct. With the microchip, go on the microchip registry. Make sure that your contact information is correct on there. So that if your pet does end up at a shelter or a veterinarian's office or a rescue, and they try to contact you, that the information is accurate. So if your pet gets away, and another thing is, once you do that, post. Take the picture of you and your pet, or just your pet, and you can put it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Nextdoor, Craigslist. But when you do that, give enough information to describe your pet, and put somebody in contact with you if they find your pet. Put in enough information, but don't put in too much information. Because if you put in too much information, you could be setting yourself up to become a victim for somebody who maybe doesn't see your pet, has never had your pet. They're just looking to see if they can get a reward from you. And it's terrible that we have to think about that. But a good picture, a recent picture, Something they can use for proof, information on their tag or their microchip up to date. And again, give out information, but not too much information.
0: John, you're known for your demonstrations showing why it's never a good idea to leave a pet in a car unattended, even with the air conditioning on and the windows cracked. Tell us about these demonstrations.
1: Goodness gracious. People keep telling me that I'm too old for this because when I did the first heat demonstration, it was 22 years ago. And now I've become that person that I used to talk about in the demonstrations. (laughs) That whether it's a pet, a baby, a child, someone who has recently been sick, someone who's on medication, someone who is obese, or people like me that just got 22 years older while I've been doing this. But we're all a little more susceptible to the heat than others but really it's not a good idea to leave any pet or person in a closed car on a hot day i just saw a television report a few days ago from somebody that put on a chart and it said if it's 80 degrees the temperature in your car can reach 100 in a half an hour okay i'm going to call that out that is not true When we do the heat demonstrations here at Rancho Coastal Humane Society, we usually pick a day when it's about 80s, since that's what most of the charts seem to want to use. And so we have the Rancho Coastal Humane Society van sitting out there. We show the thermometer. The doors and the windows are open. And then one of our staff members gets in the vehicle with the thermometer, sits the thermometer on the dashboard, closes the doors. The temperature inside that closed vehicle goes from 80 to 110 degrees in less than two minutes. Oh. Last couple of years when we did this demonstration, 80 degrees to 110 degrees in 90 seconds. So you're on your way home from work and you're going to stop in and get bread and milk at the store. How long does it take you? People go, oh, I can do that in a couple of minutes. No, you can't because you get in there. First of all, you have to walk across the parking lot. You get into the store. The good marketing at the store is that you put the bread in the back of the store, and you put the milk in the back of the store, and you put it on opposite sides of the store so that when you walk through the store, you pick up other things along the way. So now, by the time you get back up to the front of the store, you check out, you walk back to your car, you have been gone 10 minutes, and in 10 minutes depending on the day and whether it's cloudy and and things like that. We have seen the temperature in our closed vehicle here hit 135 degrees in 10 minutes. If you have left your kid or grandpa or your dog in the car, or if you're stopping on the way home from the doctor to pick up a prescription and somebody who's already in compromised health, and if you leave them in there for 10 minutes and it's 135 degrees inside that vehicle, their life's in danger. Don't do it. Look in the rear view mirror before you get out. Is there somebody back there? Is there a furry face looking at you? Is there a young face, a baby face? Somebody said, well, I didn't want to wake up the baby. He just fell asleep. Well, wake up the baby. Don't leave them sitting out there. It gets so hot. And Vicky, I think that's the two things, because people have asked well, how stupid do you have to be to do that? I don't think it's people that are stupid. I think it's people that just don't understand how hot it gets and how fast it happens. A couple of years ago, a reporter asked, "Do people do this? Do they hate their dogs?" And I go, "No, they don't hate their dogs. If you hate your dog, you don't take him for a ride in the car with you." But they just don't understand how fast it happens and how high it gets, how quickly. It becomes a potentially deadly situation. So don't do that. Don't leave them there. Get them. If you have to go home first and it takes you you 10 more minutes, good. Take the 10 minutes. 10 minutes to save a life is so worthwhile.
0: I'm speaking with John Van Zani, Public Relations Director for Rancho Coastal Humane Society. As the weather heats up, what steps do we need to take to keep our pets cool? There's a
1: lot of things that you can do to keep your pets cool. One of the first things that I always remind people is if you wouldn't go out wearing a fur coat and go for a run or a hike, chances are that's not when you ought to be taking your pet along with you, particularly with your dog. If you're a runner or a hiker or you're just going to take a long walk, Remember, it's hot, and they're wearing a coat. Of course, their coat is a little different than if we put on a coat and we go out. But if it's too hot for you, it's too hot for them. People who say, well, I want to give my dog a bath, and we usually do it in the backyard. How do I know it won't be too hot for his paws? Take your shoes off. If it's too hot for your paws, it's too hot for their paws. Take your hand. Hold your hand down onto the concrete, the asphalt, the sidewalk. If it's too hot for you to hold your hand there, it's too hot for your dog's paws. A lot of people buy booties that they can put on their dogs. Actually, I have a pair of booties that I use for a television prop that have little thermometers built into that. It's a little rubber thermometer that, if it's okay, it's blue. If it's too hot for the dog's paws, it turns red and let you know that it's too hot. I've been noticing the last couple of weeks, my dog has been drinking about twice the amount of water that he usually drinks. And he's not going to come and tell me, hey, I'm thirsty, I need more water. That's up to me. That's up to us as the owners to monitor that and make sure. And don't leave just one bowl of water. Leave them two or three and depending on your dog. Leave them more water than you think that they're going to need. If your pet gets too hot, make sure that they have water. Make sure that they have shade. Make sure that they have some shelter, some place where they can get out of the sun. And again, with the water, not just one bowl of water, leave several so that if they run out of one, they can go to the other.
0: And what do dog owners need to be aware of when taking their dogs on like a picnic?
1: We see so many people that take their pets on Fourth of July picnics and then they get out there and depending on where you're going and what you're doing. OK, remember, if you're having a picnic at the beach, your dog is still barefoot. Any of us who have been to a Southern California beach during the summer, one time or another, we've all burned our feet. We know enough to get off of it, but if your dog is just sit there, sitting there burning their paws, okay, the picnic, you're going to get out there. If you're in a place, that's shady and your dog has shelter from the sun, but people get out there and their dogs don't necessarily behave. So then the dogs start barking and then they try to get the dogs away from the picnic. So they put them in the car, which is how we started this conversation. Don't put them in the car. Or they tie them to the bumper. Well, now they're out there with no water and still just barking and going crazy. The barking wears them out and makes them thirsty. Okay, a few other things as far as going to those picnics. They can burn their paws. The coals, if you're doing barbecue and the coals drop, are they going to be interested? Yes, they are because it's going to smell like whatever it is that you're cooking. And so they go to touch it with their paw. They go to pick it up with their mouth. They go to sniff it with their nose. They touch their noses to the grill. If you're cooking meat on your grill, there's those little holes in the bottom of the grill where things drip out of that. It's not dripping out of there at room temperature. It's dripping out of there hot. And if your dog goes over to lick the bottom of the grill, put its nose against there, Then you've got to burn and you've got to trip to the veterinary emergency room. Chicken bones, bones from your steak. Those are things that your dog's not necessarily going to chew them, so they might try and swallow them. And particularly with chicken bones, once chicken is cooked, the bone becomes something that can splinter. And once it splinters, it can get caught in their mouth, it can get caught in their throat, It can go on down through their digestive system and and possibly puncture part of the digestive system. The same thing here in Southern California, we love to put those kebabs on the grill. So we're eating it, and, and so maybe you give the dog a taste of the kebab. But you still have the skewer, that little piece of wood that went through there. Now it tastes like beef, and it tastes like chicken, and it tastes like everything else that was on it. So they go to eat it. What happens if they take a kebab skewer and start eating it? Pretty much the same thing that just happened with the chicken bones a little bit ago. So if you're going to take your pet along on a picnic, be very, very careful. Make sure they have water. Make sure they have shade. Make sure they have a place where they can kind of get away from the picnic and take a nap if they need to, a blanket or a towel that they can lay on. And again, as we said, with the burned paws, so you're sitting out there and you've got your shoes and you're fine, but your dog is there and if they don't have any place to protect their paws, some plates were in the shade, those are all things that can harm your dog. So be very, very careful or just leave your dog at home.
0: And of course we are heading into fire season. How should we prepare for an evacuation?
1: As fire season is coming here to Southern California, we have sometimes when Maybe we have a notice. We notice that there's something going on. We get a warning. You go on the air and you tell people where the fire is, where it's moving, how fast it's moving. Sometimes we get that. Sometimes we don't. Or one of my friends here in San Diego who was evacuated, the place they went to, they were evacuated. The place they went to after that was evacuated. They ended up the fourth house from leaving their home, and they had their dog. Once you're told to evacuate, that's a little bit too late to put together your evacuation kit. Put it together now. Now, there are some pet stores that you can go in and buy the fully prepared evacuation kit. That's not a bad idea. When you get your evacuation kit, don't put it in the back of the closet, because if you need to evacuate, you're not going to have a lot of time to go look for it. Keep it in the garage. I know people that keep it in the trunk, not necessarily year round, but during fire season, they make sure it's in the trunk. So we're going to start with a crate, a crate that's big enough so that your cat can go in, stand up, turn around, a crate, and then with the rest of the evacuation kit, rather than to have everything spread out everywhere, just put it all in the crate. You have to evacuate, you pick up the crate, you put it in the car and you take off. Okay, remember bowls, water bowls, food bowls. And if you're buying those big cans of food, and if you get out somewhere, and it's one of those that you need a can opener, and you can't open the can, put a can opener in there. Put in some water. Hopefully where you're going will have water, but get one of those big two-gallon jugs of water to put in there. Keep a copy of your pets medical records in there. Keep a copy of the information that you get as far as your pet's licensing is concerned. Again, uh, as we were talking about earlier with the fireworks, pictures of you and your pet together, leashes, collars. And while you're preparing your evacuation kit, a good time again to make sure that the information on the tags is correct and up to date. And to go back onto your microchip registry and make sure that the information on there is still correct. So that if you do evacuate, you've got everything you need right there. that You can pick it up, put it in the car and go.
0: I feel like I ask this anytime I talk to someone involved in animal welfare, but it just doesn't seem to sink in with a lot of people. So I'm going to keep asking it until it does. Why is it so important to spay and neuter our pets?
1: As far as spay and neuter is concerned, we're a little, for lack of a better term, spoiled here in Southern California, or maybe advanced is a better word, because we look at different parts of the country. Uh, We saw this during hurricane season. We saw this during the flooding in New Orleans. Anytime there's a natural disaster, tornadoes and uh, things like that, that Here in Southern California, we just tend to be more conscious of spaying and neutering. I think part of it is because we can take our pets with us most of the year. So they tend to be a little more like family, where in some parts of the country, pets don't have that same connotation that they do here in Southern California. So spaying and neutering, when you take a look at shelters or rescues, Here in San Diego County, there's a dozen shelters and there's 200 rescues. And we're still ahead of so much of the rest of the nation because there is a pet overpopulation problem, but not to the point where it is in some other places in the United States or even here in California, not that far away. It seems like if you move up from San Diego, Riverside, San Bernardino counties, the further north you get, if you look on the social media, there's more and more people that are trying to sell pets, people that are abandoning pets. Spay or neuter stops the problem. And if somebody says, yeah, I meant to get my male dog neutered, I meant to get my female dog spayed or my cat. And. Yeah, I just never made the appointment. Oh, now I have 10 puppies. Do you want one? And it's like, well, you you just took a, a problem that could have stopped and turned it into 10 new problems. Spay or neuter. And then if somebody says, well, I can't afford it. Well, if you think you can't afford it now, wait until you have a litter of kittens that need food, that need vaccinations. Wait until you have a whole bunch of puppies that need to be licensed. Spay or neuter saves lives, and also it helps to keep the animals calm as they get older. It extends their life, and some, it's like, well, I didn't want to do that because they told me he's going to have to wear a cone for a week. Well, he can wear a cone for a week, and you can have two more, two more years of life with your dog, and the cone, as we call it in animal shelters, the cone of shame, the cone is no fun, but having that dog that you love with all your heart, having that cat that is just like the greatest gift you've ever had, having them with you a couple more years because you cared enough to have them spayed or neutered, that's an easy trade-off. And again, here in Southern California, we take a look at some of the other areas, some of the places where we get pets transferred into Southern California. And it's like, because we take those steps, we're able to take in pets. From places where if we didn't take them, they would have no future. So do it. And if you need help with that, look, there are organizations that will help with expenses. Look around, talk to your veterinarian, look for low-cost spay and neuter clinics, low-cost vaccination clinics. But you need to take the steps, start asking some questions, and then Don't just get the information, make the appointment and then show
0: up. I've been speaking with John Vanzani, Public Relations Director for Rancho Coastal Humane Society. Anything else you want us to know?
1: A couple of things in terms of the heat, because when a pet starts to become overheated, okay, dogs don't sweat. Well, they sweat a little bit through their paw pads, and when they pant, you may see the dog drooling a little bit. But how do you know if your pet's in problems? Well, dogs don't sweat, they pant. And when they can't pant fast enough and the air that they're breathing out is the same temperature or the temperature of the air they're breathing in is hotter, it just adds to the problem. And it can cause heat exhaustion, So, panting, look and see if their gums are red, look at the skin inside their ears. So those are things to look for for heat exhaustion. If you feel like your pet has heat exhaustion, get into a cool place for it sips. I said sips, not big gulps of water. That's just going to upset their stomach. Dampen your dog with cool water. Maybe soak a towel and dampen them with that. Now, if it's already too late for that and they've gone into heat stroke, that is when your dog might seem like it's disoriented might seem like it's drunk, confused, droolings, lethargic, heartbeat. And if you don't see to that, the organs can start to shut down. So again, cool off your pet, get it into someplace where it can cool off, and then get it to a veterinarian as soon as possible. Even if the nearest vet isn't necessarily your regular vet, but this is where time really matters. And the time that you save can save the life of your pet. And make all of your lives better.
0: Where can we go to get more information?
1: There's information available on how to keep your pets safe during the summer, during the heat, during the fireworks. You can find information about this all online. Check with your veterinarian. If you have a dog that really, or a cat that really has a hard time during the fireworks, some pets might need a medication. Don't self medicate. People say, oh, I give my dog Benadryl. How much does your dog need? How old is it? How much does it weigh? Talk to your veterinarian about it. Check with your local animal shelters. There's information that you'll be able to find online. Free information and, more importantly, accurate information. And if you get through that and you still have some questions, call your shelter. Call your vet. Get the answers you need get them now. Don't wait till it's too
0: late. Thank you so much for speaking with us today. Happy 4th of July, and thank you for helping to keep our furry friends safe.
1: Let's make this a great Independence Day for us and our pets.